1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. Hope you had a great weekend. It was a wild one. It was a wild one. You know, um, boy, oh boy, it was a wild one. Well, great to be with you. It's Ed Martin. It's the Pro-America Report, and we have a lot of ground to cover. We have a lot of ground to cover. If you hear something that you want to catch back up and play back, you can go over to ProAmericaReport.com, and uh, all these segments are linked up there, and also sign up for the Daily Wink. What you need to know, you can sign up for the Daily Wink, and you will get in their email box at 5 a.m. Pacific time, 8 a.m. East Coast time. You'll get an email from me, give you some of the key details, some of the key talks, and a lot of times I'll put a periscope. I do a couple of periscopes a day which are short videos over on Twitter. If you go to at Eagle Ed Martin on Periscope or on Twitter, you'll see them, and you can follow in there. It's also the Wink. Wink in the morning at 945 East Coast Time, 645 Pacific, and then at 2 p.m. East Coast Time, which is 11 a.m. Pacific Time, two two a day, just about 10 or 15 minutes covering some ground. You can go there and find all those on Twitter at Eagle Ed Martin, Ed Martin Live on Facebook. Okay, well, the the ground we have to cover (laughs) feels like time slipped by us. These weekends are really tough to catch up on because there's so much happening um, it, it t- turns out that Nancy Pelosi and the Congress are spending their time wasting their time and America's time as the country is uh, facing a million challenges trying to decide how they can force uh, uh, Donald Trump out of office when he has 10 days left I mean literally has 10 days left they're spending their time seeing if they can peach him seeing if they can force Pence to do something it's really silly to me it's counterproductive to me but it goes to show and and here's the thing When Nancy Pelosi spends much of the day with the press talking about ways to get Donald Trump out of office, she's just talking to the 30 percent of the country that live and breathe CNN and make them happy. Now, those people are pretty rabid. Don't get me wrong. And they do influence other stuff. But in general, the rest of the country looks up and goes, what's that? You guys got power and what's that? What are you doing? And we'll talk in a few moments with Ryan Gerdusky, who is kind of an expert on what what's called national populism. National populism is the term he uses for the sort of what the America First movement means in terms of both issues, policy issues, as well as in people. We'll ask him a little bit about it. He'll be on the show here. And we'll also talk with Dr. Brett M. Decker. But I have to tell you Whole bunch of Trumpsters, even the people that think, hey man, that got too, got out of hand at the Capitol, which is, you know, the violence was unacceptable, of course. But even the people that look up and say that, you know, that's okay, I'm I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm, I've had enough of this, you know, which is what the media is trying to get you to do. A whole bunch of Americans are like, hey, what are you doing? You know, this guy was elected and he got a lot of votes. And what are you doing? So we'll see. But here's what you need to know right now. What you need to know is the last three and a half, four days have revealed something that is so unbalanced in our society. I'm not sure what to think of it yet. It kind of feels like we're in the fog of war, as they say. So after the terrible uh, events at the Capitol last week and the idiots that got out of hand and the violent thugs, you know, some of them look like they're Black Lives Matter types or Antifa types or whatever. Now, what we've seen, though, since then is a concerted effort by the media to deny that the underlying concern was the election fair. Is a valid concern. You're not allowed to have that concern. If you have that concern, you're a insurrectionist. That's what they've done. They've conflated people who have an actual concern. Please, you know, don't steal the votes. Don't miscalculate. I mean, don't miscount. All those things. That means you're an insurrectionist. And and you watching the media and big tech conflate them has been extraordinary. It it is unbelievable to watch the power, the strength, and frankly, the message discipline. Of the big tech companies and the CEOs, because what started on Friday with Twitter and Facebook saying, "Okay, um, uh, Donald Trump's not allowed to talk. His concerns, he's expressing his concerns. It's 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 too uh, it's too agitating." And then General Flynn and Sidney Powell and uh, Ali Alexander and on and on and on. And then they say, "Content. We can't allow content about something. No, no. This is too influential." And then if you go to Parler an- another site, we're going to use our power of our uh, our, our other um, entities, Amazon's uh, uh, Amazon's uh, process. AWS uh, service, they're going to knock that out. And so we'll shut everybody down. And and the speed with which the litmus test of society in St. Louis, my hometown, uh, where I'm from, you had the Post-Dispatch, the, the the TV stations, organized protests of 100 people, all saying that Josh Hawley is not a constitutionalist who used the Constitution. No, no, no. They went and they got uh, donors, uh, former donors of his to his campaign and Senator Jack Danforth, all to complain and say what he did is not express concerns and not use the Constitution. No, no. It was insurrectionist. It, it was so far. And look, here's my point. What you need to know is the power of the media to do this, the power of the fake news plus big tech and plus the complicit, complicit, complicity of CEO types and, and leadership in businesses so that you have the PGA Tour canceling one of their tournaments at a Trump hotel a golf course, right? You have businesses saying, you know, you're not welcome if you're like this, et cetera, et cetera. It's extraordinary to see. And, you know, as lots of people are pointing out the hypocrisy, it doesn't matter. The left doesn't care about hypocrisy when you say, well, Black Lives Matter and Antifa rioted in the in the summer and people died and buildings were burned and federal courthouses were surrounded and people were, it, you know, when Brett Kavanaugh was being confirmed, you had the, the one of the Senate buildings occupied by people and all that stuff. And you have Kamala Harris at the time saying, this is amazing, wonderful thing. You have churches burned. You have uh, um, uh, 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 statues defaced. And at the time, everyone says, oh, this is really, in fact, the AP, Associated Press, at the time said asking too many questions about, about what they did, the rioters, you know, what they did by burning buildings or beating things or wrecking cars or breaking into the Capitol, in my, is my example. And what the AP said, the Associated Press says, asking too much about what they did is, is disrespecting the underlying fact of why they did it, what they felt. And by the way, my point here is a whole bunch of people, millions of people feel like, hey, what exactly happened with this election? Why can't we get to the bottom of it? So but the speed, my point, what you need to know right now is the speed with which this is whipped back against we the people is extraordinary. It's extraordinary to see. It's unbelievable to watch. And as a political matter. There are parallels and moments in history, at least in terms of the Republican Party in, in 1994, the run up to the 94 midterm elections. You know, Bill Clinton wins. Bill Clinton wins. Uh, the country is pretty sharply divided at the time. You know, Bill Clinton only had, I think, 46 or 47 percent of the vote. He won because uh, George W. H. W. Bush and, and Ross Perot on the ticket split things up and all that. So you had a bunch of people. By the time you get to 94 and the Republicans win the so-called Gingrich Revolution, uh, people are fed up. And so it's a big sweep, right? Huge sweep. And that was a big, big deal. Flash forward to 2010. In 2010, you got a situation where you have the Republicans organize, And in 2010, they sweep into power a massive, massive wave, right? Incredible wave. An amazing thing to see, 2010. That's the Tea Party wave. So both of those were when you had a new president of the opposite party come in and you had sort of policy differences that were so profound, whether it was the stimulus bill, Obamacare, that back then in 94, you had uh, uh, voters reacting to the, uh, the motor voter rules, uh, welfare, uh, um, some of the welfare giveaways, the spending. And so ba- here's the difference. We have such clear and, and, and obvious uh, focus of media, fake news, media, and big tech to slow and stop any arguments. I'm not sure you can break through. The headwinds are so strong, and we'll ask Ryan Gudurski later. But when I was, I spent some time with him over the past week or so. One of the things he said was, "You also have the businesses, the CEOs, and others who are willing to spend the money." He always talks about Bloomberg. He's a New Yorker, Ryan Gudurski, uh, who we'll talk to in a minute, and he talks about Bloomberg. What you need to know is the forces that are united. With the power of government? With the power of government? And, you know, if you don't listen to... If you don't watch Glenn Greenwald over on uh, Twitter, he's really good to watch on Twitter. I don't agree with him on a lot of stuff. He's very liberal. But you watch him on Twitter and he'll talk about things and consistently about the rise in the state um, apparatus that spies on us and keeps track of us. And he's very clear on that. And he'll talk about the Patriot Act and the impact of other things. Well, now you have Joe Biden... And I'll finish with this. Joe Biden speaking in unbelievably divisive rhetoric, blaming people, calling people Nazis, calling people names, saying he's going to help lift African American jobs, African American businesses, Hispanic American businesses, and normal, you know, normal Americans are like, well, hey, which am I? Where do I fit in? I don't think I'm hyphenated in that category. And on top of that, you have him saying we need to pass domestic laws that crack down on people who might address concerns of other citizens. This is called free speech and freedom of assembly. And we should just call them right away the people that look like insurrectionists. Dangerous stuff. Dangerous stuff. And different than 94 and 2010, I have to say. All right, that's all I got. Uh, don't forget Pro America Report. Uh, sign up there. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk with Dr. Brett M. Decker and then Ryan Gurdusky uh, and a lot more. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. <laughs> Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with Dr. Brett M. Decker, New York Times bestselling author, a journalist who has uh, practiced journalism in the Far East, as Wall Street Journal Asia correspondent and also been an editorial page editor over at The Washington Times in Washington, D.C., served in the administration of George W. Bush and has uh, written lots of books and is now a professor at Defiance College. Dr. Decker, my question today is you have observed uh, transitions, I guess at least uh, three, I can think of, maybe four the bush to clinton clinton to bush bush to obama obama to uh uh trump what can we expect even just in 10 days in terms of this transition
2: well you know but the first transition i think was nixon to ford that one was boy that one drove me crazy at the time (laughs) but uh yeah i i I, you know i think we're in this place where who knows what's going to happen right so um you know, what's Pence going to do? The last thing I know, he hadn't said if he's going to go or not, right? Biden obviously invited him, which is trying to drive a wedge between Trump and other Republicans, which, right, uh, the Republican establishment's already grabbing hold of that as much as they can. You know, what's the security situation going to be like? I think what's scary here is it's not as if the Capitol isn't protected and can't be protected and that they don't do it every day. It's that, right, the, the sort of deep state actors like this idea of the visuals, like with the Capitol attack, that they can kind of allow and then use it to clamp down and, and force censorship and go after uh, political opponents on the right. So, right, we already know from the Capitol attack that, you know, the police let people in. They refused reinforcements to come protect the police that were there. And part of it is, right, I mean, like things like the fact that Doors were open and, and people could run over the place. Well, you know, I worked in Congress, I worked in congressional leadership. Anytime anything happens, the first thing the Capitol Police do is they instinctively go and lock all the doors so people inside mm-hmm. um, are protected, right? So, what's going to happen? Does the left, does the Biden administration want? Uh, a bunch of trouble, um, you know, on inauguration day, so they can then use that to do more. It's hard. It's hard to know. Obviously, people on my side shouldn't fall for it either, right? It's not not like I'm defending our side when right. I buy it, you know. Right. <clears throat> <I, throat> you, you know, in, in the '90s, sort of that Bush transition to the Clinton period and everything. You know, one of the great writers back then, PJ O'Rourke. You don't hear from him as much. You know, he had bestsellers, Parliament of Horrors, give war a chance. One of the things that was funny, but it was also true, he said, why, you know, why is the left always protest and rioting and burning things down and marching and the right doesn't? he's like, well, because, you know, conservatives have jobs and they have better things to do. You know, right, right, so, right. You know, where the balance is between, you know, what avenue do you, to, for people to express their outrage in a, in a, in a system spiraling out of control And where can you be civilly disobedient without breaking the law? There's a lot of gray area there, and obviously the rules aren't applied equally to the right as the left, right? Because the left was burning down our cities all last year, and, and, and we're only encouraged and congratulated for it.
1: Well, we're, talk, we're talking with Dr. Brett M. Decker. Here's the, here's the thing. I'm, I'll restate some of what I heard you say, but then I want to ask you about how it feels different. What I heard you say is, um, you know, in any given time, the question will become, what does the opposite, how does the opposition to a liberal democratic uh, regime, how do they evidence? You know, in the Obama year there was a Tea Party, in the uh, Clinton year there was the uh, Gingrich Revolution, and so what's coming? Uh, you know, for those that can organize themselves and be uh, opposition, my the, the difference Difference maker for me, though, uh, Doctor Decker, and you're again—you're a journalist, a communicator professionally—is. The power of the fake news and their willingness to um, to uh, to actively spread what is not true as true, and then the power of big tech. So it feels like you're you know you're kind of um, you're out there and you're saying, okay, now we know we're going to have to make an argument about our own opposition to this, and let's do that. We'll say we want more of the Constitution, we want more values and all, but you can't even get on Twitter if you're uh, Donald Trump, and you likely can't get uh, on YouTube if you're if you're doing X or Y it feels like that power is di- way bigger and harder to uh, think how we survive it
2: yeah and also not only you can't get on twitter or facebook or anything you can't even start your own platforms because apple and google right. and amazon will shut <laughs> right. you down like they did right so so this idea of uh, of uh, you know i i think right not only censorship but i think politically the left wants retribution and they're going to be right going after people The, you know the bar association of new york is 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 going after giuliani and looking to disbar him I mean, he was a u.s attorney and mayor of the city and because he backed the right. wrong horse they want to punish right. him and take away his, his license to practice law so i think you're going to see that happen all over the place
1: and that, and so, um, and and the question I have for you is: Is it really different, or is this just sort of like? Is this just a little bit like social media reveals? Lois Lerner used the IRS to target people. They fought back. Eventually, some were lives were ruined, but mostly time just marches on. Or are we really in something more dramatic?
2: I mean, I think we're in a new stage, and the left is looking to mop up things. Right? If you look at what they wanted to achieve in the '60s and '70s. And then you had Reagan, you had Thatcher, you had John Paul II. You had this era of conservatism to take things one or two steps back. I think now the left wants to continue what they started in the revolutionary days and take 10, 20 steps forward. And that's what they're going to be looking to do. And I, I think it's it's frightening, you know. And I think I think if anything, it's it's reminding us where we were already, but we've been kind of papering it over it and considering kind of kidding ourselves that. We weren't as bad off as we are. And, I mean, look what people have been putting up with in their public school system for decades now without doing anything. Well, you know, the, the, the chickens are coming home to roost now, right? We've Americans have let their kids and, and grandkids get brainwashed in their schools without really doing a thing. And, I, you know, in a certain way, right. uh, the, the right is showing itself to be
1: kind of like after decades of not really winning, this is, they're paying the price. Yeah. And I think, I think that's happening. All right. Let me switch over to a question now that, it, now that it looks like there'll be, I mean, there's no doubt in the uh, President Biden administration with Janet Yellen at the Treasury Department and uh, Andrew Cuomo, Governor Pritzker of Illinois, Governor Newsom of California, lining up to say, hey, when you go to spend money and then you know the Republicans will spend it with you, pile a bunch of billions in for us to bail out our pensions in the failed liberal states to, change, to, you know, to, to protect the, the overspending of these liberal states. So you got red state that work hard montanans will be paying their taxes to bail out illinois um but what stops that you you talk about things that is are needed to continue the dependency state bailing out the liberal states and i think that's an easy one i don't see joe manchin caring and and therefore what happens to our economy does our economy kind of keep going because well it's more spending and you talk about chickens coming home to roost it's not gonna the the uh the the inflation's not coming this soon i mean what's your sense on the economy
2: I mean, it's going to be a disaster, right? Our debt, our debt is spiraling towards thirty trillion, and not that long ago I, we were complaining because it was getting close to twenty trillion. Like we're accumulating debt faster than uh, whatever, faster than I drink Mountain Dew, you know, in the morning. So mm-hmm. I, it's, it's going to be a disaster, and you start bailing out states, but not only states, right? What else does the left want to bail out? They want to bail out uh, this. This university and college system that's corrupt and failing, right? With free education and, and, and so called free education, right? Um, and, and kind of give a lifeline because who really does the work of making everybody far left? It's public schools and colleges and universities, and the university system was just on the on the point of failure because of all the right. skyrocketing student debt. And you know, you absolve that, you give it a second life, and I think. I think it's really hard to fight once once they bail out all the all all their failing institutions, right?
1: Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I guess, and then, of course, the pandemic coming out the other side. All right, uh, higher education, your prediction, now you teach at Defiance College, but higher education, your prediction, are, are our universities back in school, in person by next fall, full-time, everybody?
2: You know, I think it's a political calculation more than a health one, right? So, you know... You're already seeing talk of uh, different strains out there that the vaccine might not help. Uh, You know, I think I think the left is going to decide which serves their interest better. Right. They if they crack Mm -hmm. down, they get a lot of power um, over our Mm -hmm. everyday decisions. And I think the one thing we know they don't like to do is give up power. So I think I think the powers that be will make a political calculation and decide in the fall. I don't think it's really a health decision at this point.
1: All right. Dr. Brett M. Decker, thank you as always. Dr. Decker, we appreciate you. We'll talk again next week. Thank you, sir. Yeah, fight on. It's going to be a long one. Long fight. All right. Yep yeah, we'll, we'll take a quick break and be right back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest is my well-new old friend, uh, Ryan Gerduski. and I. I've had him on the show a couple times. i follow him closely. He's a, he's a writer. Uh, he's a thinker. He uses his uh, Twitter feed to make lots of trouble. He um, also has a national a newsletter that comes out weekly that is about to restart. I keep putting public pressure on him to make sure he does it because it's very helpful uh, and important what he's doing. And he is kind of an expert on what this national movement kind of National Populism is the term, and that's the title of his book, which you can get anywhere you buy books. But I sat next to him at the uh, speech last week. Uh, It it went on for about four days. Um, The speech did, it seemed. It was cold. (laughs) went on too long. I think at various times, Ryan and I both kind of smiled and said, okay, it's pretty good, but it's kind of cold and it's wandering on. And then who knew what was coming hours later. But uh, welcome, Ryan Gerdusky. How are you, sir?
3: Good. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it was freezing that day.
1: Freezing cold, freezing cold. But all right. So, Ryan, I, but I actually want to ask you, and we might get into other stuff, including national populism. And I know you've got some ideas on the coming year and a couple of years. But at first, I want to ask you about this phenomenon we're seeing where um, big tech are, you know, shutting down uh, not only the voices they don't like, but their opponents. Um, and walk us through as a journalist and an observer, you know, what, what, are, what are we seeing?
3: I mean, we're seeing what what people on the nationalist right, at least, have always feared, is that you have uh, monopolies set up, monopolies that are government protected. I mean, Section 230 of, uh, of the uh, Communications Act is there and protects these monopolies from doing what they're doing. They can't be held accountable because they're acting as... Publishers, not as platforms uh, And they silence the, the, the President of the United States of America I mean, it could silence literally anybody No one is too big to fail Except for these companies And for years, Trump supporters uh, Have told him, you need to Just make a big tech, you need to just make a big tech And one by one, his most Vocal supporters, Miley Annapolis Gavin McGinnis, Laura Loomer And I get those are people on what they call The extreme, Alex Jones the president said, Oh, but this is extreme, if it happens to them it's fine, because they're considered extreme. Well, eventually, they came for a lot more than just those people, and they can come for anybody. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. And what we're seeing even worse is that when Parler, uh, you know, and it's not a great app. I mean, Parler, it says it's not extremely <laughs> <I> user <user-friendly. know. laughs> it's, it's not a very user-friendly app. But yeah, Parler was like, okay, we'll become a free speech alternative. They shut them down as well, because you can't, I mean, here's the thing that the, especially libertarians just don't seem to understand is that, you know, they they can freeze you out of your banking. They can freeze you out of, you know, most people either have an iPhone or some sort of a, some sort of smartphone device that um, that you uh, that, that operates like 99% of all uh, phone companies. Uh, those are all, all personal phones. So, you know, two or three companies control basically how people uh, you know, communicate. Um, the minute that Apple and Amazon on and Google and Facebook get together. That's that's the way people collect information nowadays. It is the public square. It is not just a private company. And clearly, they cannot operate um, in in a fair way. And there's many different ways that Republicans, there's many different tools the public can use to there and go at them and and beat them. But they have to start fighting. And for four years, Donald Trump did not lift one, you know, one finger to fight them. And I'll say it's even worse than the fact that you know, last year, the White House wanted to reward Tim Cook with the uh, uh, National Medal of Freedom. And so mm-hmm. I mean, they really weren't even trying to fight them. And they were conceding to big tech left, right, and center.
1: We're talking with Ryan Gerdusky. and if on Twitter, and Ryan, I, this is going to really sound funny. My listeners will smile. You remind me of my wife, and that, and by that's a compliment because she she also <laughs> can't that. lie. She can't lie or bullshit. About, I'm sorry, uh, bull stuffing anybody. She just tells it like it is. Like when you just said parlor, you know, it's a nice idea. It's not a great app, but it's a nice idea. But so and follow him on Twitter, which is also a place where you'll get his uh, his uh, straight up at Ryan Gerdusky, all one word: Ryan Gerdusky, G i r d u s k um, Ryan, um, but back to this, uh, this question of, of, of silencing voices. Here's my thing. You're, you, you know, you're a journalist before you became a, a book writer. You were actually you a know, reporter. You were telling me on the Bernie Sanders campaign, you and I were talking, we've, we've both seen sort of mass movements. In the 90s, when the Democrats get control, we get the Gingrich Revolution right when Clinton goes in well, in the 2000s in the 2000s it wasn't when really it was Gingrich it was well, I know. Gingrich took well yeah it wasn't really <laughs> wait, Gingrich i mean well no New no Gingrich but well but wait, no. of Gingrich. <laughs> wait see this is i know what i mean is let me say it differently in the 90s after Clinton wins we get a sweeping election success for republicans in 94 in 2010 yeah. after obama takes over we get a sweeping republican election where they where they they sweep over one was called the gingrich revolution whatever it was doesn't matter in 2010 it was the tea party i i would argue neither one of them dramatically transformed the landscape it was just a, a shift back and forth but the difference is if 2022 is supposed to be the next big electoral victory for the republican party they never <clears throat> in 2010 and, and, and 94 they didn't have the headwinds of the fake news and and the cable news and the big tech
3: All Right. Right, I mean, and and the money. Don't forget the money. You have you know these billionaires, like you know my former mayor, Michael Bloomberg, and you got Bill Gates, and you have these millionaires creating these super PACs, dumping hundreds of millions of dollars. It's a totally different landscape. Um, than it was when those two elections happened, so it'll be a lot tougher. And also, the country has changed demographically, which makes things a lot tougher. You know, Hispanics vote two to one, two to one Democrat, blacks still vote nine to nine to one Democrat. Uh, it's very, very difficult. Um, and I don't think the Republicans have, you know, Republicans have just sat there and said, "Oh, if we just make our donors happy, eventually, you know, the country will love us." It, it's idiotic thinking, and sadly, uh, you know, this the. There are so many great things about Trump's presidency that were good, and then there were so many missed opportunities. And one of the largest missed opportunities for Trump to remake the Republican Party, more in the image of the campaign he ran in 2016, he, didn't, he, didn't, he shouldn't have capitulated so much with the establishment, but he did. And those same people went and stabbed him in the back time and time and time again. So my fear is that in 2022, we have a Republican landslide, and I think we still can. I mean, the Senate's a little harder because the map is kind of difficult, but in, certainly in the House, we can. And um, and who are we going to have? Kevin McCarthy? I mean, these are not rocket scientists. These are not visionaries. These are not you know, thought leaders of, of tomorrow. These are people who will do anything to sit there and get elected and retain power. Um, you I know, mean, Kevin McCarthy was Paul Ryan's best friend until he was Donald Trump's best friend. I mean, these people are jokes. And remember, the campaign he ran in 2020 was stop socialism. I'm sorry. You have millions of Americans being displaced economically, socially, uh, you know, shut down. You have all these problems, and stopping socialism is going to be your ride or die. I get it. AOC is, is not, you know, the figure that I want in this country. She has very limited power. Especially when you compare oh, yeah. the federal judges who are completely, you know, out of control. Especially when you, care, you look at big tech, who's out of control, uh, the media, that AOC is not the biggest problem in the world. She's certainly a problem, and the in the what is what's the gang or that she's a part of the uh, the, the squad, the, the squad, squad
1: the, the squad, yeah, the squad.
3: The squad is yeah, squad's certainly a problem. But
1: I mean, it's eight
3: members of the House of Representatives. A majority of the House of representatives mm-hmm. can barely get anything done. So, uh, you know, I, I think that you really need to think of two, like, prominent questions for voters. Is One, how do you make life better for the people that voted for you, which didn't happen under uh, George W. Bush, and it started happening under Donald Trump, for part of the time that he was president, until so the coronavirus destroyed everything. How do you punish China? How do you punish big tech? How do you bring jobs back? And what does America look like in a decade after your leadership? There are certain fundamental Uh, problems that we are having and that they're not answering.
1: We're talking with Ryan Gerduski His book is called "They're Not Listening." It's about national populism. His website is ryangerdusky.com. com. You can go there and sign up for his newsletter, the National Populism Newsletter, which will be kicking back in. I do want to go to one to your observation on one more thing before I lose you on your Twitter feed, which is at Ryan Gerduzky. Um, th- there is a there is now they're now peddling more polling, and so the polling Marist and the <laughs> Jeez, Quinnipiac that, poll has has, has 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 uh, yeah, and has uh, Trump going out with the lowest approval ratings in the history of the. World, And this is being peddled by the mainstream media as, look how unpopular he is. And, and your tweet was, those are both polling firms that were stre- extremely often in the 2016 and 2020 elections. I want to ask a different question. They clearly use these polls to try to tell people to believe that Trump is unpopular because nobody wants to hang out with the unpopular guy. Here's my question, Ryan Gerdusky. How, I mean... Trump's not losing popularity with a whole segment of the country. In fact, they feel like he's aggrieved even more than ever. Now, maybe it's not, you know, maybe it's not 45 percent anymore of the country or the Republicans. But, man, there's a bunch of people that are looking up going, "Uh uh-huh. I feel what he feels, right?
3: Right, he was the most unpopular president of all time, a racist, a fascist, Hitler incarnated, all these horrible, horrible things we heard for four straight years. If you supported him, you were basically a terrorist. And 47% of Americans went on to vote for him, seven points below what the national average said he was. They said he was going to lose by 11, he lost by four, um, that he was all these horrendous, horrendous things. He's this horrible person, uh, and he increased his support among every category of voters except for white men. This is a dog right. whistle to, to, to those who are easily influenced, influenced by the media. The people easily influenced by the media and by social media especially are usually moderate Republicans and white college educated people who want to desperately be liked. That is the only two people that are truly influenced because no one else trusts the media at all right now. No one trusts the institutions <laughs> that are supposed to protect this country. And uh, it's, a, it's a joke. I wouldn't trust a polling company at this point, you know, for anything.
1: All right, Ryan, I got to run. Ryan Gerdusky, everybody. Follow him on Twitter. I'll put it up on social media. Thank you. I better go. uh, We'll take a break and be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment.
0: This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by honoring family values, opposing radical feminism and representing a conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now the president
1: of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. January 12th is a day that should be celebrated by patriots throughout the world. On this date in 1729, the great politician and orator Edmund Burke was born in Dublin, Ireland. High school history class may have been a long time ago for you, so let me give you a refresher course on one of history's greatest philosophers. Burke served in Great Britain's House of Commons during the critical years of 1766 to 1794, when the question of American independence was hotly debated. Before armed conflict broke out, Burke pleaded with the British Parliament to restore the rights of the American British. He charged them to let the colonies always keep the idea of their civil rights associated with your government. They will cling and grapple to you, and no force under heaven will be of power to tear them from their allegiance. Burke's wise words were ignored, and the fight for American independence began. Burke later said that while he did not want to congratulate America on removing a large part of the British Empire, he wished even less success on the injustice, oppression, and absurdity of Great Britain. If you know nothing else about Edmund Burke, you probably know one quote often attributed to him. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. While historians still debate the exact source of this quotation, it's hard to debate the fact that Burke's life was a testimony to the conviction of this quote. Imagine the courage it took for Burke to tell his fellow Britons that they were wrong in their treatment of the Americans. He chose to be a voice for liberty when a vengeful nation called for oppression. He was an equally passionate voice for his Christian faith and for the abolition of slavery, as well as for free market principles. It's my pleasure to wish a very happy 392nd birthday to Edmund Burke. Today's conservative movement needs more patriots like you, a good man who will do something when faced with evil. May your memory live on in all of us.
0: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Whether it's the vision of our founding fathers, the courage of our veterans, the moral compass of Christopher Columbus, or the fortitude of presidents like Lincoln and Reagan, the truth of history should not be undercut by liberal ideology. At Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, we honor history even as we look to the future. Join us at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com.
1: Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, and great to be with you. Those are two very good interviews. I have to tell you, I really – I think I mentioned in my interview with um, with um, uh, uh, Ryan Gurdusky that I sat next to him uh, for a couple hours uh, last week, and, and we had a lot of chance to visit. Very, very helpful, very interesting guy. All right. Um, two things I want to talk about. This is what you need to do, okay? Wink, wink is the open. What you need to do here is I want you to be aware – I want you to be aware of what money, what wealthy people do when they don't get their way. Okay? And this is going to sound funny, I know, but I mean, the the, the story comes out of this, two parts of this story. Out in St. Louis, Senator Jack Danforth, Senator Jack Danforth, who was born into the Ralston Purina family, huge amount of wealth. He was born with hundreds of millions of dollars is how I'd read it. I'm not sure that number, but it's something like that. His his grandfather and father were the ones that built up Ralston Purina, I think. But he certainly didn't. And he spent a lot of money to become attorney general of Missouri. Then he became a senator. And he's always been this sort of guy around town. Well, he's been complaining. About Josh Hawley using the Constitution, and he's been complaining and he's been calling on others to cut off support of Josh Hawley, and they're doing it. Sam Fox, a big rich guy in St. Louis, David Humphrey's a big rich guy in Joplin, are saying, oh, they won't support him. They had spent lots of money to help him get elected. And here's my point. When, when they don't get what they want, they know what to do and uh, it's it, you can't blame people you can't make them spend their money but what exactly is it that jack danforth believes josh holley's you know I- improper to do you, you invoke the constitution represent his constituents and yet there we are well at the same time as that story is breaking and i could talk more about that by the way because uh, Jack Danforth practiced law, and I was at Brian Cave, the law firm I was at with him. And we knew each other back then. And we very uh, talked a good bit about things because he was very liberal on some of the life issues. He's more for cloning and things like that. And we would have these discussions, animated but respectful. Uh, but he was asked to leave that law firm because he testified against the law firm's clients. And the common denominator was his – the reason he did it was because his buddy was rich on the other side, wealthy guy. Not that that matters much, except if I told you that a, a prominent person who's complaining about other people's ethics and morality had been asked to leave a law firm for how he practiced law, you might think it would be get into the story, but it doesn't because the powerful and connected and establishment get protected. The powerful, powerful establishment connected get protected. That might be a rhyme. Anyway, but back to my second point. Late on Friday last week, a story uh, was posted, I think on USA Today initially. And it said how the CEOs of big companies were seeing what happened with Facebook and Twitter, taking Donald Trump's uh, uh, voices down, and they were deciding to steer their money away from Republicans. Now, when you set up a system that relies on massive spending for television ads and other things, which is what happened. They raised $100 million, more than $100 million in Georgia in the six or eight weeks after the election just to run in the runoffs. Uh, more Each, each, by the way, not just, not, not total. But when you have a system that relies on money, and when you have a system that demands the money for these elections, for campaigns, when the CEOs start to change their tune, you're going to see a reaction. And so the question becomes, What's going to happen? And if you get a, 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 um, a unified uh, a corporate world with a powerful government that wants to silence other voices, it gets pretty tough pretty fast. It gets pretty tough pretty fast. And what needs to be said about this is and the calculation that is off. And you just heard Ryan Gerdusky talk about it is they think they're saying, oh, oh, yeah, Trump's leaving. He's so unpopular. And so the CEOs are thinking, oh, yeah, we can get away with this. We'll just go against all these people because they got over it. They got over Trump. We've we've seen Trump sufficiently damaged by the coverage and the fake news that we'll go ahead and just fade on him. The problem is the polls were dramatically wrong in the fall in the election, they've been dramatically wrong all along. And so the <clears throat> the question is, what cost? What cost is it, and who does it cost? And the reality is, it will cost the Republican Party broadly. It, it will. I mean, it will damage. And so suddenly, as I mentioned earlier on the program, you have to wonder, what, is, what are the chances that the alternative view, meaning a more conservative party, can win? So what you need to do... What you need to do now is identify and see, as part of what you're reading, who are these people that are bailing? What, you know, the CEO of the PGA Tour is the former Deutsche Bank banker. Well, when Donald Trump was up and as a businessman before he ran for president, that guy was signing deals, was doing deals with him because he wanted to make money. Now, when it's convenient, he's not. But see, it's not that. That's not surprising. People make money when they can make money when it's convenient. The difference here is, if government is being used to, used in conjunction with the CEOs, it gets different. So what you need to do right now is pay attention to these CEOs. Forget about the Twitter CEO and Facebook. Twi- you can't move those people. They're totally locked in and they've got control. But you can look at the CEOs in your community and others and say, What are you doing? There's tens of millions of us here. You're leaving us behind. We'll talk more about this. All right. Thank you as always to our great uh, technical director, Noah, for keeping us on track on this uh, on this program, and also to Joanna for helping book guests. We've got some great guests all week. We'll do some book reviews and other stuff. And you can track it all down at proamericareport.com. Follow me on Twitter at Eagle Ed Martin and be back here tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then.